Good morning. Oh, mercy. Uh, I think I just deleted a slide, by the way. It's okay, we're good. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Kevin Jackson, and uh, uh, now you'd be glad to know I'm not the pastor here. <laughs> uh, so, for those of you who are new, uh, our pastor is uh, Randy Boltinghouse, and he's on sabbatical. And uh, he does this each year, a well-deserved sabbatical. And, and when he does his sabbatical, he uh, sometimes invites me to come and share a message. And so I'm here to do that this morning. I'm honored to do it, uh, really excited about it. Um, uh, one thing I will mention, just kind of uh, as a public service announcement, um, if you are someone who takes notes, takes a lot of notes, I would just really uh, suggest that you go get an outline that's out on the table because there's a lot of, otherwise you'll be writing a lot. Um, so I'm just, you don't have to, I'm cool if you don't, just giving you a little fair warning there. Um, I'll also mention that I dressed up a little bit more this morning. I had a jacket on because it's usually cool in, in here, but some reason up here, it's a little warm, and so I thought I would get a little casual for you. So this morning, I'm going to be, in some ways, following up a little bit from what Todd Daly spoke about yesterday. At least we're connected. Um, so last week, um, Todd Daly uh, shared the message, and he talked about the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes uh, comes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and so... I'm going to follow up you know, the Beatitudes where, where uh, Todd was last week's in chapter 5 of Matthew. Uh, I'm going to be talking about chapter 7 of Matthew. Um, so that's where we're going to uh, kind of be uh, this morning. And uh, in chapter 7 of Matthew, uh, as Jesus is delivering what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is talking about judging, uh, not not judgment, but judging. And so that's where we're going to settle in this morning. And we're going to highlight three ideas related to judging. Uh, first, we're going to talk about uh, uh, how we judge others. So how do we judge others? Uh, then we're going to talk about how we judge ourselves. And it turns out they're connected a bit, how we judge ourselves. And finally, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, why that matters. You know, the way in which we judge, why does that matter? Okay? Before we get started, uh, let me open us in a word of prayer. Right, let's pray. Father God, Father, we thank you and we love you. And we are privileged to be here today. Father, as we think about things, events that have happened this weekend and this week, my heart is just heavy for the loss that was so unnecessary. And Father, we 
we just thank you for the privilege for us to gather, Lord, people from all walks of life. We can call each other brother and sister, and we can mean that because of you. We pray, Lord, that you would just bless our time together. Pray, Lord, that you would remove me. Pray, Lord, that that this message would be yours, even as it is my voice. May it be your words. We pray all this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So before we get to the passage, chapter 7 of Matthew, I thought it'd be helpful to start by just reiterating some of the things that Todd spoke about last week uh, with respect to the context of this Sermon on the Mount. So if you read in chapter 5, if you were to read chapter 5, what we read is that Jesus is settling on a mountainside and his followers are gathered around him. They're gathering around him. They want to hear the rabbi teach. And so they're Jewish, and they're all around him. And what Jesus is delivering is a message. And that message has to do with the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? What is that? And specifically, what Jesus is doing is he is making a contrast between the kingdom of God and what has been portrayed as the kingdom of God to the Jewish people, primarily by the leaders of the Jewish people. And so where we pick up here in chapter 7, we see Jesus doing some of that contrast in chapter 7. So you can uh, follow along. I have the the passage up here. You're you're welcome to uh, follow along in your Bibles if you'd like. But Jesus um, says, right, this is a sermon, Jesus says in first two verses, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So basically what Jesus is saying is that the standard by which you judge others, that same standard will be the standard used to judge you, right? Simple concept. And then Jesus goes on to say, in the next three verses, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take take the speck out of your brother's eye. So here, um, Jesus is making an observation, right? He's already said you should be judged. You'll be judged by the standard by which you judge others. Now he's making an observation that's saying, hey, that's not what's going on here. He's saying that you are holding your brothers accountable for strongholds, for sin, for Uh, ways in which uh, they've displayed weakness. You're holding your brothers accountable for those things, but you're not holding yourself accountable for any of that. And so what Jesus is saying is, you're not applying the same standard 
to your brothers that you're applying to yourself. There's this difference in standard you're applying. And when Jesus says this, um, and if you were to read uh, the narrative of the Sermon on the Mount, you'd get that he's probably pointing the finger primarily at the Pharisees, at the leaders of the church, those who have been charged with building this culture of what the Jewish nation would be. And he's pointing the finger. And those of us who have spent some time in church and we've read much of the New Testament and we hear about the Pharisees, we know the response to the Pharisees is, boo, Pharisees! Hey, boo, Pharisees! But where I want to challenge us this morning is to discern how different are we than the Pharisees. So that's kind of where we're headed. And we're going to start by thinking about how we judge others. How do we judge others? Um, before I get into that, um, there are some terms that I'm going to need to share with you. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to share with you empirically how we judge others. Right? Based on what psychology, research in psychology says about how we judge others. This is not going to be intuition. Uh, this is going to be our tendencies, uh, our inherent tendencies about how we judge others. Uh, but there's three terms you need to know before we, we go there. Uh, the first term is a term uh, attributions. And you've probably heard all of these words. What I'm doing here is just making sure we have clarity um, before we kind of move on to a kind of a more complex level. Uh, attributions. Attributions, how we assign blame or credit to others or ourselves. It answers the question, okay, so whose fault is it? Or what happened here? Attributions. And what that literature suggests is that there are two categories of attributions that we can make. Uh, the first category is a disposition category. A disposition attribution says, when I observe an outcome or a behavior, I attribute to that person's disposition. It's something about their character or nature that explains that behavior or outcome that I observe. Uh, to kind of make this concrete, uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm from San Antonio. I can't help it out, right? So that's just, hey, amen, hey, I got an amen over there. How about them cowboys? Uh, so I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, but for those of us who are Cowboys fans, we're not sure about Jason Garrett, right? the head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Right? His performance is unsatisfactory. Now, some of us who are Cowboys fans, uh, we would say that it's unsatisfactory because of Jason Garrett, right? that Jason is not a competent coach in modern football. For, for kind of the modern way football is done, you know, it's passed him by. Uh, or he doesn't manage his players well. Uh, that's a disposition attribution. We see the performance of Jason Garrett, we see that uh, we don't like that, and we attribute it to his disposition. It's something about him. But the other category of attribution is a situation attribution. 
This is a case of when, when I observe or when we observe an outcome or behavior and we explain that outcome or, or behavior by the circumstances surrounding that event, that outcome or behavior. We don't blame it on a person, it's the circumstances. So that would be the Cowboys fan that would say, hey, this is not Jerry, this is not about Jason Garrett, this is about having a bad general manager who happens to be the owner, Jerry Jones, picking bad players, and so, man, Jason doesn't have a chance to succeed uh, because of the circumstances around it. Maybe there's a rash of injuries that explains that performance. At any rate, it's a situation, it's the circumstances and not the disposition of Jason Garrett, okay? So those are the terms I want us to feel comfortable with. Now I'm going to introduce you to a phenomena that helps explain how we judge others. And hold on to your seat, because it's going to look big and technical, um, but it's, it's, not that, it's not that bad. It's called the fundamental attribution error. Fundamental attribution error. If we break it down, uh, we know what attribution means, right? That's how we assign blame or credit, attribution. And error, that just means we're, we're making attributions in a biased way, okay? There's some systematic way in which we're kind of messing up. We're making an error in how we make attributions. Fundamental just means it's inherent. Um, this, is, this is who we are. So this is, again, this is descriptive based upon research and kind of quite a bit of research in this area. This is a description of how we make judgments, okay? And I'm going to show you first half of the fundamental attribution error. Here's half of the fundamental attribution error. When we're uh, making attributions associated with other people, if what we observe in other people, in someone else, we'll just say one person, some person, a bad outcome or bad behavior, our tendency is to make a disposition attribution. Right? That's our tendency. Okay? Doesn't happen all the time. But that's our tendency, is to make a disposition attribution. If we observe a, a good outcome or good behavior from someone else, some other person, then we make a situation attribution. And we say, hey, lucky them. Look at the circumstances, right? So you can think about uh, you know, that colleague that gets a promotion at work. Hey, boy. Boy, they really got lucky there. Or, you know, they must really know somebody. We make some situation attribution, okay? So how do we judge others? Well, there's two, kind of, we can summarize how we judge others in two points. Uh, one, we blame their nature for the bad in their lives, right? You know, you, you made your bed, now, now lie in it type of thing. Uh, and we judge them undeserving of the good in lives, in lives. Well, because what happened, the good stuff that happened, it wasn't because of him. It was some circumstances that drove the good. Okay. Okay, that's how we judge others. Now, I want to make a, a caveat, and that is uh, what this research is, research is not saying, it's not saying that it's bad to make disposition attributions. 
That's not bad. It's not wrong. In fact, sometimes I think there are cases where we should be making a disposition attribution, where we kind of say, hey, you know, we, we observe something uh, uh, bad or good in, in someone else, and we should be making a disposition attribution. Um, so it's not saying that it's wrong. It's just saying that our tendency to do it is out of whack. Okay? All right. That is not particularly, you know, encouraging. Um, understanding who we are with respect to how we judge others is not particularly encouraging. But it gets worse. Okay? All right. Um, but hang in there, because we're going to bring this home. We're going to land the plane. Um, all right. Uh, let's now return to our passage on Matthew. And I wanted to just highlight uh, the third verse, verse 3. Verse 3, Jesus says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And my question in reading this verse is, why don't we see the log? Why don't we notice that log in our own eye? And it turns out that can be explained by the second half of the fundamental attribution error. Because the second half of the fundamental attribution error talks about how we judge or how we judge ourselves and the attributions we make when we observe behaviors or, or outcomes associated with ourselves. And again, descriptively, this is how we judge ourselves. When we observe a bad outcome or a bad behavior in ourselves, we make situation attributions. It wasn't me. But if we observe good outcomes or good behavior, <laughs> look at me, that was mine. And that is a fundamental attribution error. And that is also what Jesus seems to be taking on in chapter 7. Because what Jesus, if you recall, what Jesus is saying in chapter 7 is that we, he's, he was talking about the, the, the Pharisees in that case, he's talking about them not using the same standard to judge others that they use to judge themselves. That is that. Okay? We go about judging ourselves almost completely opposite the way that we judge others. Okay. So, uh, again, this can be uh, how we judge ourselves can also be summarized in two points. Uh, we de deflect blame for the bad in our lives. Right? You can think of Adam in the Garden of Eden. It was her. Um, and uh, we take credit for the good in our lives, right? You can think of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, right? You can think, oh, look at this great kingdom. This is me. This is all me. Right? Now, um, what's the result then? What are the implications of this fundamental attribution error? And again, it's not pretty. Uh, one is 
Um, we tend to be less empathetic. And we're less empathetic because we believe that the bad that people are, are experiencing, that it's their fault. And so we tend to be less empathetic. Uh, we're more resentful. We're more resentful because we think someone is getting something that they don't deserve. And how fair is that? And we tend to be uh, less self-accountable because the things that are bad, the bad behaviors or the bad outcomes in our own lives, we tend to say it's not us. We let ourselves off the hook. We're not accountable. So in some ways, we're like the Pharisees. Uh, we judge others uh, using a different standard uh, than the standard we use to judge for ourselves. We're no different. Um, brothers and sisters, we're broken. Um, and, you know, as I thought about this week, in the events of this week, it became clear, um, as if it hasn't been clear before, but it, it, it just served kind of as a stark reminder of how broken we are, how broken our culture is, how broken our relationships are. We're broken. But we do well to remember um, that we have a contribution in that. That individually, we're broken. And I talked about the fundamental attribution error as one way in which we're broken, but we're broken in a lot of ways, okay? Um, which leaves perhaps the last big question of the day, and that is, okay, so why am I bumming us out over this, okay? You get up Sunday morning, you, you had a good breakfast, you're, you're cheerful, you're smiling, you're happy, and you come to church and you hear a guy talk about uh, how broken everybody is. Um, well, uh, there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason I think it's important for us to talk about it. Because I think that there is a risk. There is a risk that we go throughout our day-to-day -day lives forgetting forgetting how broken we really are. And so we need a reminder. We need a reminder of who we are outside of Christ. Because many of us have gone to church for a long time, and we've forgotten who we are outside of Christ. So uh, uh, several years ago, uh, several years ago, I asked my son, a really scary question. And the question was, do you, do you believe that I take my Christian faith seriously? I asked him that question. And that's a scary question to ask. To my relief, he said, yes. I think, I think you take your Christian faith seriously. And then I had the nerve to ask a follow-up question, which was, why is that? 
Why do you think I take my Christian faith seriously? And he shrugged. He didn't know. And so I told him, the reason I take my Christian faith seriously is because I know who I am outside of Christ. I know me. I know that outside of Christ, I'm entitled. I think I deserve more than I have. I think I deserve more respect than I get outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, I have a sharp tongue, and I'll say things to hurt people's feelings, and I'll do it just to entertain myself outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, I have thoughts rolling around in my brain that have no business being there outside of Christ. But that guy outside of Christ, the one who is entitled, the one who is hurtful and petty, that guy, that's the guy that Jesus died for. Okay, over under on how quickly I would get emotional, right? So I think I'm beating the, the betting odds here. Um, see, sometimes I think a, we feel like that Jesus died for me as I am. And sometimes I think we feel like, well, he's got a pretty good deal on that. But let's be honest. But what's important to know is that Jesus died for that guy. The one that was outside of Christ. The one that needed to be saved. That's who Jesus died for. And that's our hope. That's our hope. Our hope is that Jesus, in his love for us, will save us when we don't deserve it. That's our hope. And Jesus actually, um, he kind of foreshadows this as he ends his Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 8, the first couple of verses, um, chapter 8, verse 1, we read, when he came down from the mountainside, this is Jesus, When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Be clean. That's our hope. That we have a God, a Savior, who is willing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing, and thank you for making us clean. Let's pray.